Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Marketing Freaks podcast. In this week's episode, myself and Abby are talking through a list of common reasons that may be causing a lack of performance and a list of solutions on how to solve them. Uh, This is going to be a two-parter, so this is part one. Very much hope you find this useful. Uh, We talk about a lot of examples and, and things that we often see within the ad accounts that we manage. So do hope it's useful and relevant for your campaigns. If it is, please do come and subscribe. Give us a follow. It's always so appreciated. So thank you very much to everyone who does that. And let's get started with the episode. Right, so today we're going to be talking about um, why your ads might not be working. Um, we're going to be talking about kind of common things that we see or common issues that we see in ad accounts that cause performance issues uh, with a set of solutions for each one. Yeah, I think it's really easy to nitpick and say why something's not working, but we want to give you practical like practical advice as to how to fix it. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And we've got a handful of examples. So very much hope that this is useful for everybody who's listening. Nice. Should we crack on? So what's the first reason why ad performance might not be what you want it to be? What's the first thing you've got? The glaring of the glaringly obvious one, which is the creative. Yes. So I think that when I started working in this um, space in 2019, we had a lot of like heavily branded, very professional looking ad content. And that was what worked. And you wanted it to look very sleek and very much in-house made, basically. Yes. Slick stuff. Slick, yeah. Now, there's been a massive shift. And I think that relying on content like that is um, an error, basically. Which I guess is um, it's interesting because uh, you don't necessarily need a big budget to produce a great performing ad. No, you don't. And I think that's where people get a bit caught up on it. So obviously user-generated content's been around forever. Yeah. Um, and if you are not, you know, looking through when people are hashtagging your um, business on Instagram, then you're probably missing a trick there already because yeah. a simple, hey, would you be happy if we use this? could get you some free content very quickly and most people are happy for you to use their content or even repost it organically like you've got a huge bank of content that you're not using if you're not looking up your hashtag and getting in touch with people that's a really good tip yeah so that's definitely there um and i think now we've seen obviously a big surge in people using big influencers and paying lots of money for influencers to push their brand but what i think is amazing now is the micro influencers Yes. And how to best use them. So yeah. we're working with a few clients at the moment that have had big like macro influencers um, do a piece for them. And it's been really interesting. But actually, even macro influencers, not everybody knows who they are. Yeah. Like if you're working in a certain space and obviously, you know, the influencers in that space. Yeah. But not everybody does. And I think it's a mistake to assume that people know or really care about that person's opinion. That is true. Um. But from that, you can take what style of content they've used, how they've approached the problem, yeah. and then use micro-influencers to create more content similar to that, which yeah. will likely have a very similar effect on your performance yeah. without the big <clears throat> micro-influencer fee because yeah. they are huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And by micro-influencer, we're talking about uh, like niche specialist influencers or people with an audience um who kind of 
are very specialized in what they're talking about. Yes, but it also doesn't necessarily have to Stop be like that either. Um, it could be somebody that um, just creates really strong content and you're not actually using them for their follower base you're using them for the fact that they can create you strong content that they, yeah. then you can then use in ads that's true i think people get really caught up on the follower base stuff and yeah. that's where the like macro influencers obviously have the biggest like there's a lot impact. more benefit to working with someone isn't there than just their follower count yeah there is yeah yeah definitely so your point on looking up what content people are producing to talk about your brand or what influencer, influencers are producing to talk about your brand. But you, don't, you also don't have to use their content if you can't get hold of it for whatever reason. If they right? won't give you permissions, if it's thousands and thousands of pounds out of your budget, whatever it is. But it's good inspiration. Mm-hmm. And um, like on the scooter site, we... Like two of the best performing ads at the moment are very user-generated content-like, but just like clips of the product coming out of the box, getting yeah. it set up, and they're done in a way that it looks like a user has created a reel or a, yeah. or a story yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and then the really beautiful shots that we have on the website that we're then using as ads aren't actually doing as well as we would like. No, but then I do think there is a point about the right creative in the right part of the journey. So even if um, the best performing ad content is like that user-generated style, mm. like that slick content, the slick video, the slick photography, that might be really valuable on the landing page where people are kind of following through and need a bit more information or a bit more detail. It's credibility. If you've got yeah. only user-generated content and it feels like somebody made it in their backyard on the website then you've lost credibility there and people aren't going to give you their credit card number to buy anything yes yeah Yeah, but in ads i think you can be a lot more flexible with that yeah that's really interesting so and how much of this do you think reflects the type of content that people are consuming at the moment because obviously there's been this massive trend or shift to people consuming real type content like yeah tiktok style content um and what we're talking about here in terms of ad formats is almost following that trend a bit. Mm-hmm. I think you don't want them to realize straight away that it's an ad mm. until they're already hooked and they're watching the entire thing, basically, which is a very big shift from previously when it's it got was, to look really natural. It's got to look really natural. You've yep. got to hook people in. So we found that things like, yeah, products in use, stop motion, get ready with me, those type of things, especially for e-commerce. Yep. Uh, really great and they're a really great way of hooking people in yeah yeah cool that's a good one yeah with lots of useful advice hope so uh what's number two on your list number two is being blinded by the in-house bubble well that's an interesting phrase (laughs) what do you mean by being blinded by the the in-house bubble I think um, if you're working in-house and you're living and breathing a brand, sometimes it's difficult to see it from a perspective of somebody that doesn't know your house and live and breathe it every single day of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, talking in your customer's language, not your business's language. Yes. And also just not assuming that people are going to be as invested or interested in your business as you are. Yeah. Like they're just not. It's the harsh reality of it. Yep. Yep. It's, it is, it's a really good point because it's very difficult to see outside of your world sometimes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. So um, 
obviously, if you are ingrained in a product or a brand day in, day out, it's really difficult to to relate to people who've never seen the product or brand in their lives before. And yeah, it's hard to remember what that's like. Yeah, and so you might know your key USPs, like the back of your hand. Yeah. But your prospective clients don't. Your no. prospective customers don't. Exactly. And so how are you going to get that across them? I think that sometimes we come across uh, ads and also um, landing pages where there's been a lot of assumptions made about what people know about that brand. Definitely. And I think you can't assume anything. Assume nothing. No. It's the key, isn't it? Yeah, basically. There's also a point there around, and this is so easy to get sucked into, but when you're working on a project and you've invested loads of... Maybe to use creative as an example. Mm -hmm. When you've invested loads of time and effort, probably money into producing a set of um, ad creative, it's just natural human nature to want that to be the best performer. Yeah, of course it is. Um, and And it might not be. And I think there's a there's a fundamental thing of like going into everything with a very open mind and when you start testing things to try not to be biased towards what's had the most money spent on it the most time spent on it what you really love Mm -hmm. what you've really enjoyed producing yeah and that's possibly part of it we've definitely had that situation before where there's been especially a piece of video content because that's typically the most expensive to create yeah there's been a piece of video content and then there's been some random ugc that we've had from somebody running alongside each other yeah, and the whole business is behind this piece of video content they want it to do really well you know there's been umpteen in-house meetings about it everybody's and it looks had, great it looks great everybody's really yeah. you know chuffed and it doesn't convert and so then it's our job as the outside agency to say... To help steer that, yeah. Guys, like, this is a really great piece of content. We could use this on the website. We could use this on LinkedIn. We could use this somewhere else, say if we're using it on Meta. But we yeah. need to be pushing our spend towards what's working. And it's, say, for example, it is the UGC content. Yeah. So we, it, it's, it's so it's easy rough. to get, get sucked into rough, it. It's so horrible. Like, yeah, but... You have to take a step back and look at... And look at the data and where the money's yeah. coming in or you where the leads to. are coming in. Yeah. Can't be beholden to a piece of content because everybody backed it. Yeah. And it's, it's always, it's, I always think it's such a shame when that's the barrier to performance is, um, pride's not the right word, but attachment to your project. Mm. Is Which the, is human and natural. Of course it is. Um, <laughs> But you really do have to. I think particularly now when things are change, things change so much, and it, I think the type of creative or the you know, what you're running, so much more. Not that it ever wasn't important, but it's even more important now that you have to just almost step back from all of that stuff and mm-hmm. really go at the go at it with the numbers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Big challenge. I think on the bubble as well. It's you might think that you, as a business, are solving a certain problem for somebody and that's the, yeah. key, the key thing that you're focusing on or, you know, or you're, or you're fulfilling a certain need. But is that actually what people are after? Is that actually what peop- why people are buying from you or signing up with you? So I think 
a really key thing there is making sure that you have a constant feedback loop. So whether people have purchased from you or haven't purchased from you, like negative and positive. Yep. And then applying that back in. And applying that back in. Not not only to your ads, obviously we're focused on the ads, that's what we do, but back into your business as a whole. Yep, definitely. But I do think this is, um, not to make this self-promotional, but I mean... It is. It is. You're on our podcast. (laughs) Tough luck. Um, But there is a massive value here in working with people from outside the bubble or organization. So an agency, for example. Um, (laughs) Not naming any names. (laughs) Yeah. Us. Um, Is the outside opinion and almost being pushed to, right, bursting that bubble a little bit and thinking a little bit outside the box and getting outside opinions and outside thoughts and sometimes that in itself is the most valuable thing a decent agency or other partner type could bring to the situation definitely i think yeah cool that's a good one that's a good one nice on to the next one let's move on (laughs) um this is going to sound very obvious but not being prepared as an overarching thing. So I feel like I'm not prepared to answer this question. <laughs> so looking at my notes, he's cheating. Uh. <laughs> um, basically, it's, it's happened quite often and we see it quite often across loads of different businesses, not being pre, like prepared for your peak period. Yep. So for e-commerce, the obvious one is Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Okay, yep. People get to November and they go, oh, uh. They, you probably know the whole year that you're going to have a promotion at that point, but then they're like, okay, <clears throat> over, you know, typically what happens over Black Friday, Cyber Monday is that you're going to massively increase your spend. Yeah. Right? Because you want to be competitive, you've got a really strong offer, you want to be getting out there. Yep. You need to be prepared for that massive increase in spend. Mm-hmm. You need to know what audiences you want to be running, what kind of creative's going to work, yep. what content, like, like how the copy is going to work on that yep. your landing page like you shouldn't be testing that at the start of november no that's correct <laughs> you should actually be preparing for that i would argue possibly starting in q2 yeah definitely i mean it's an interesting again there's nuance to all of this isn't there i mean black it's the same month every year it's no surprise to anyone that it happens no but it does seem like it's a surprise sometimes. Um, yeah I think the I'm trying to think of some useful advice. The my, for me, I think it's trying to ahead of time, really planning what sort of things you might want to run, what your approach might be. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of businesses, the how much are we going to spend? How are we going to pace that spend? When do we think it's going to start this year? Like the, That's the build always up ch- changes. So I think yeah. having. You do need to have a plan early doors, but I think it's totally fine to have some flexibility in that plan in terms of pacing and spend, which should really tie into performance and kind of how how the business is done up to that point in the year and all of that type of stuff. I would argue, though, that that's a planning aspect. So it's, you need to plan it, like plan in flexibility, but you do, like you need yeah. to... You need to plan in like budget flex. So if on the first couple of days you say yeah. you think you're pacing for spending 3K a day, but it's doing yeah. incredible, you need to be able to, like if you're working with an agency, you need to have that communicated and that, that, that you can yes. say flex up to 6K a day if you needed to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that kind of thing, like 
scenarios scenarios being planned yeah. for yeah. and giving the capability of being flexible or yeah. you know you know that you're you've seen that your competitor's gone live with their black friday deal yeah two weeks before you yeah how are you going to tackle that it's so like having those scenarios planned Mount out time. yeah means that you're going to be prepared for no matter what hits you at that period and it's going to be a crazy period it is definitely like it yeah totally agree with that the i think it's but i do think that's what often holds people back from making decisions and planning early is mm. not quite knowing what it's going to look like in terms of needing all the ducks in a row before you can start planning yeah, exactly that yeah. whereas actually if you go right here's our if everything's going well at this point we're going to do this and this mm-hmm. is what we can spend and this is what we expect back medium scenario if it's not quite at that point yeah let's spend this let's pace for this worst case scenario we'll do this also like that trigger point on when do we start mm-hmm. having some clear like data points to determine okay what what is that trigger so it might yeah. be like suddenly you start seeing an increase in brand traffic or um you know demand starts to go up slightly or people are asking early about discount codes or whatever whatever it might be an article been posted about you guys so you're popping off on the internet yeah your competitors going live with their sale or you know and it's i think it's understood having like very clear black and white triggers for okay that's that's when this happens and that's when that happens Mm -hmm. and again there's planning isn't it yeah flexible planning flexible planning which sounds like an oxymoron but you know i think you do know though there's certain elements that you know are going to happen at that period that you can start prepping for so not necessarily planning for but prepping for yeah and i think a big one especially like this year will be generating your own first party data lead gen like ahead of time way ahead of time having an offering that people want ahead of time so that you're already building up that audience and we've got that running with a few clients already where we're offering something of value to people yeah so um for example like a like a free uh, pattern um, yep. for one of our crafting clients and that works really well for other ones it's yep. competitions for others it's sign up and get 15% off your first order like any kind of value add and we have those running constantly so we're always feeding that first party data yep. which you're then going to be utilizing in that period yep. I, d- I think it is foolish to rely on like website traffic Definitely. over that period Yes, absolutely. And we we saw some really good success with that last year, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And it's just a ongoing thing of... I don't think you always have to use paid media for that direct sale. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like using paid media to build your own first-party data, like email database, yeah. is a very valid way of using it. And that particularly ahead of a peak period. Um, I also wonder if there are going to be more brands not doing it. Not doing... Black Friday. Do you think so this year? Maybe. It's interesting, like, it could go either way. They could go really hard on it because they need to make up the sales from this year. Yeah. Tough months. Yeah. Weird economy. Yeah. I just think the cost... I guess I'm, what I'm saying is, like, you don't have, like, there's no rule in place that you have to do it. By the time you've spent on the advertising, mm. the CPMs increase over that period. Quite so, significantly. Yeah, so you have to spend more to get the coverage. You have to spend more to get the same amount of coverage that you would have done beforehand because the CPMs go up. 
uh, your margin goes down because you're discounting everything and you can't have a good Black Friday unless you're doing a significant discount. Yeah. Because everyone's like, well, what, 10% off? Like, I get that on a, on a signing up to a newsletter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's no different. So when you take all of those factors into account, like it's very hard to make any money out of it. So I wonder, I just, yeah, it was just a thought. We had, But I that's think, part of the planning, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what does the margin look like when we start doing all this activity? Yeah. We had a couple of clients last year who either massively decreased their spend over the period because they knew that they they just didn't want to play the game. They didn't yeah. want to get on that. They knew that, yep. that their offer wasn't strong enough. They didn't want to pay those CPMs, so we dropped the spend over that period. And I respect that as an option. If you're not a brand that does heavy discounts or... Yep. Some like some brands do Black Friday and they probably shouldn't be like yep. B2B. It's a bit of a weird yeah. one and I do see it and it's like, what? This is the not... The Overdrive Digital Limited Black Friday offer. Yeah. It, some of it's a little bit nonsensical maybe just because people feel yeah. pressure to do a Black Friday offer because yeah. it's Black Friday. And I think I totally respect the option just to make the decision to not do that. Yeah. Well, I guess we're not saying don't do Black Friday, but we're saying you could choose not to. You could. And you could focus on a different um, promotion at a different time of the year where you're not spending loads of money on your CPMs. Yeah, exactly. And back to your key point around uh, being prepared. Mm -hmm. If that's your decision, you should probably be making that decision around about now, which is March. Mm -hmm. Nearly April. Yeah. God. Nearly Q2. Ugh. Nearly Easter. <laughs> Stop it. Um, I think if you are going to do Black Friday, though, so I think generating first-party data throughout the year, if not starting in Q2, is super important. Yep. But audience testing over different promotional periods for you as well is super important, and that's something yes. that we've been doing a lot. So testing out not only the targeting that you're going to be using on that audience, but how you're speaking to them. And the content that you're using for them and seeing if there's trends that you can take and then take into Black Friday. Yep, definitely. Like it sounds so obvious, but for one of our clients, it was they have really strong content that they run in Top Funnel. If we had taken that content out and just put some, you know, black square that says Black Friday on it, people have no context about what their business does. They've Mm -hmm. got no idea. And we're saying "Mm, 25% off site wide. Yay, shop. And it doesn't make sense for a customer that's never like encountered that brand before. Yeah. So now we keep on their strong content that they have. They're like always on content. Yeah. And we change headlines. Interesting. And that works much better. And, and we like have an that from learning from the other sales. Process, isn't it? And then it feeds yeah. into that. Yeah. But if you're not, if you're just running a sale and you're never trying to learn anything from it, yeah. When you, that seems like the most important time to be learning because you're spending the most money in sale periods typically yeah you should have a plan of what you're trying to learn from every single sale that you put on yes you're trying to generate revenue all of that but you should know what you're trying to learn from that as well definitely agree always be testing and learning perfect some brilliant points so far and i think we're going to split this into two parts so um, because i'm rambling no because it's brilliant (laughs) uh so uh we'll come back in part two for some more points on why your ads might not be performing so well and what you can do about it to make them perform better stay tuned stay tuned 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please do come and subscribe. Join us for future episodes where we talk about the ins and outs of running paid media and driving improved conversions and revenue for your business. See you next time.